Revolution, make some noise. As we celebrate this God of revival, can we clap it up for your pastors, Jason and Lindsay? Thank you for this vision to have such an amazing one day. In 10 years, a whole decade of this divine movement, I'm so excited to be a part once again. I am Tara Jenkins, and I am excited to be a part of this one day. My firstborn is here in the building. My daughter, who is in her third year of Clemson University, go Tigers. Princess Alexandria is here with me, I'm so excited. Y'all, uh, give her a special hug if you see her. She's missing homecoming today at Clemson. Oh, yes, she loves me. <laughs> I have three amazing children. My second-born baby girl daughter is in New Orleans in her first year of college at Xavier University. And then my only begotten son, came three weeks early on Christmas Day. He is 14 in his first year of high school, just got his braces off and might think he's cute. <laughs> I, I, think, I think he's cute too. And, uh, I love your theme of this R and R and R. Yeah? We are rejoicing today. We are learning to rest today. And I have been given the task to talk to you about Revive. Um, as I told you, I have three kids, right? And I've lived in several cities throughout my life. I grew up in Jackson, Tennessee. Yes, that's a city, even though it had a population of 100,000 people when I was growing up. Then I came to Atlanta for undergrad at Clark Atlanta University. Then this boy asked me for my phone number on a choir trip, interrupted my whole life plan, <laughs> came and proposed here in Atlanta during graduation weekend, and somehow I ended up in Chicago as a senior pastor's wife for 23 years. So I've been married for 25 years to Charles Jenkins, and living in Chicago has been a joy. Then the last four years, we have been in Los Angeles. So you heard that I've lived in Atlanta, I lived in Chicago, and I've lived in LA. You know what that means? I've lived in my car. This the worst traffic cities in America. And so with all of that time in my car, I've seen a lot of traffic. And one of the most interesting things that I see in traffic is what is known as Gaper's Block. Anybody ever heard of Gaper's Block? Gaper's Block is when you're sitting in all this traffic wondering what's wrong, and when you actually find the point of pause, it's people looking at other people who are going through something with their car. Gaper's block. 
You mean that I have not been able to go the speed that I'm supposed to go? I'm not on time today. I'm not able to go at the pace, at the race that I'm supposed to do, not because of something going on, but because other people are looking at other people. (laughs) Gapers block. And I feel like in this day, with Facebook and Twitter, the artist formerly known as Twitter, now known as X, Threads, and Snapchat, and Be Real, and TikTok, and Instagram, there has been a societal gapers block. Because instead of leading our lives and living our lives, we've been watching other people's lives. And in our quest to figure out who followed who and who unfollowed who, and they didn't follow each other anymore, so maybe they're not in a relationship anymore. In our quest to desire to know all of those changes, we haven't been living and leading our own lives. And while we participate in a societal gaper's block, something on the inside of us has been dying. Purpose on the inside of us has been shrinking. Us participating in our own lives has been squished, squashed, and shrunken by our gapers block. I want to turn your attention to the Gospels. I want to invite you to look at Mark. And in Mark, there was a lot going on And there could have been gapers block if it was allowed to set in. Jesus in Mark chapter 5, starting at verse 21, he has been on a miracle tour. Don't we love when our favorites go on tour? (laughs) Jesus is on tour. Jesus, in his 33 years of earthly ministry, he spends these last three years on earth with public ministry where we see miracle after miracle after miracle. Mark chapter 5, verse 21. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. And then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and he pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying, please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. Jesus went with them. A large crowd followed him and pressed around him. And a woman who had been there for 12 years, wait a minute. Did somebody just change the channel and I didn't know? We're in the middle of one miracle request and someone just changed the channel and said, okay, there was this woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When when she heard Jesus was there, she came up behind him, grabbed his cloak, And she said, if I could just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed 
from suffering. Now, Jairus could have had Gaper's block and the people around them could have had Gaper's block and looked at the fact that, Jesus, I just gave you my prayer request, but you have stopped in the crowd to listen to somebody else's prayer request and their healing actually happened before my prayer is even considered and being answered, even though they asked after me. And someone in the room, you've been living life, looking at other people's lives, and you've noticed that there are some people who found God after you, yet they got their blessing already. There are some people that ask God to do something special and specific in their lives after you have already been walking with God, asking God for something, but yet it happened for them first and you've been frustrated and something on the inside of you has died. Your hope has been squashed, squished, shrunken by seeing the way that something is happening in somebody else's life. But God sent his son Jesus and shows us that he does not run out of power just because someone else's miracle happened before yours. He does not run out of power just because someone else's miracle happened in a different way than the way that God is working through you. So we can get excited that we have an all-powerful God, all-knowing God, who knows all, sees all, sits high, looks low, and he does not run out of healing power. He does not run out of the ability, the capacity, the capability to touch you exactly where you are. So let's continue looking at what's happening. Okay, so the woman gets healed. Now, this woman who had had this issue of blood, she was not even supposed to be outside, y'all. She had this issue of blood and was deemed unclean. So she was supposed to be sequestered and staying in her own space and spot and not around people. But yet, she breaks the rules to get her healing. And there are some moments when your faith will break the conventional rules, the conventional route that things are going to happen in your life. Yes, you are not supposed to get the promotion before the graduation, but we serve a God who is a rule-breaking, miracle-working God. No, you were not supposed to get into that school, but God sent his son Jesus to show us that he has all power and he can change king's hearts in his hand. We serve a God who breaks the rules on your behalf. If he wants you in a specific place, if he wants to do something specific in your life, he can defy the doctors. He can do something different than what's expected. He can break the rules on your behalf. And this faith that breaks the rules pressed and touched the clothes of Jesus and she was healed. But what I love about this passage is not only does it show us a woman, it shows us a girl getting healed in the same passage. And I believe in this room, God is here showing us that in the same day, I can heal the woman, I can heal the girl.
I can heal the woman in the room. I'm going to heal the little girl in the room. Because in the same passage, he does it in Mark. And he can do it on the same one day in this room. So let's see what happens next. Who said the Bible was boring? This is so exciting, y'all. Okay, so Jesus is like, who touched me? Jesus kept looking around, and the disciples are like, bruh, you tripping. It's a crowd. Everybody's touching you. The woman, knowing what had happened to her, fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith healed you. Go in peace and be free from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, we're celebrating this healing. Somebody from J. Iris's house says, the daughter is dead. You don't even have to go anymore. <laughs> I'm in the middle of testifying about a miracle and you come telling me what God can't do. Can I just enjoy my miracle for a moment? And then they said, while all this commotion and wailing, the child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. And he put them all out. He took the child's father and mother and disciples who were with them, went in where the child was, took her by the hand and said, Talithi kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately. Somebody say immediately. Sounds like a one day to me. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. In the same day, in the same passage, God can heal the woman. God can heal the girl. God can heal the girl in you who has died in the process of you becoming a woman. Who in here remembers being in the circle and they said, what do you want to be when you grow up? And what did you say? <laughs> What'd you say? What do you want to be when you grow up? How many of you are doing the exact thing you said in that circle? Right? 0.2%. Which means that often our lives look differently than how we thought they would look. And when our life plan looks different than God's plan for our lives, that can cause something in us to die. But God says, today I'm going to revive the childlike faith. I'm showing you this passage that a woman was healed and a girl was healed because I believe that the girl in you that could dream, the girl in you that didn't care what people thought, the girl in you that was not afraid to believe for bigger, incredible things, unfathomable things, that girl is coming back to life. If you're taking notes, I want to say, number one, God is getting ready to do some never agains. What's a never again? There are some things that you've gone through 
that you've survived, that you've made it through, that you're never going to have to go through again. When we see this woman press and touch the hem of Jesus's garment, she was healed for the rest of her life. This is not a day that's a moment of feeling free, but not actually freedom. Because who the sun sets free is free indeed. And so the reviving that's taking place in this room is a freedom and a deliverance that is going to last the rest of your life on earth. I believe if you merge your faith with your sister's faith, if we believe the same God who is the only living God, the wise God, the author and finisher of our faith, we are going to touch this hymn of Jesus' garment and experience a never again. Never again, a never again. But then I believe, number two, that we are going to experience some never befores. Because there are certain miracles that we see Jesus do that we haven't seen him do it that way before. And this is what I love about studying the miracles of Jesus. He doesn't do the same formula on everyone because he knows you. And you would say, oh, that's the formula? I don't need you no more. Let me go over here with the formula. Oh, it's mud pies that makes the blind see? Okay, let me get this little Georgia mud, put a little spit in it, rub it together, put it on the eyes like cucumbers in a spa. You can see, you can see, you can see. He knows that if we had one formula, we become self-reliant and try to DIY. It would be a whole television network. DIY miracles. But Jesus uses a different method in each miracle because we are constantly wowed that he's performing nobody but God's. It's a nobody but God situation. It's a nobody but God. Who else in scripture touched the clothes of somebody and got healed? He wants to do a nobody but God. And some of us get gapers block looking at the way that he did the miracle in your sister's life. And you're like, I'm waiting. E-harmony profile has been loaded. Where my husband at? I'm waiting. You healed that person without surgery. Why are you making me go through the process? I'm waiting. You brought that child back to that person's home by 20 and my child is 30 and they still haven't come back to the family. I'm waiting. When you think about the gospel of John, over in chapter five, there was a man laid by the pool of Bethesda who had been in the same place 38 years. For 38 years, he had been looking at the water. And the water was stirred, and nobody can help me, and they break me in line, and somebody gets in the water before me. When this man gets healed, it had nothing to do with water, had nothing to do with getting wet. Jesus didn't even touch him. He was like, bruh, man, get up, take up your mat, and walk. <laughs> he got healed off of a word while he was waiting for the water. 
Who has gapers blocked? You've been looking one direction for a miracle. You've been looking one direction for your life change. You've been looking one direction for your increase. You've been looking one direction for your deliverance. And the way that Jesus wants to do it in your life has nothing to do with the way that he did it in somebody else's life. And while you have been living your life looking at somebody else's life, something on the inside of you has been dying. Your hope has died. Your belief, your value system, your belief that God is good died. Your faith died because you looked at the way Jesus did it in somebody else's life and it has not happened for you in that same way. They had a child who learns traditionally. You have a child that learns differently. Who's been looking at somebody else's life, waiting for Jesus to tell the same story through your life when Jesus is telling a different story through your life? He's not telling a story of perfection through our lives. He's telling stories of perseverance in our lives. And per means through and severe means severe. <laughs> so life be life in y'all and he's going to take you per through severe, the severe. And he preserves us not to punish us, but to tell a bigger story so that he can get the glory out of our lives. Number one. We see that Jesus does, where are you, class? Never again. There are some things that you have had, you've got the victory over that you're never going to have to go through again. Remember the Old Testament and Moses in this conversation was like, the enemies you see today, you will never see them again. I'm happy. I don't want to see that enemy again. Number one, we are going to experience some. Number two, we're going to experience some never before have you done it this way. And this girl who is sick, beyond sick, and considered dead, Jesus says she's just asleep. And someone has had some hope in your life that died, some dreams that died. And Jesus is here to say, that that was, is within you, that I put in you, it's not dead. It's only been asleep. But today, there's going to be a revival. A revival of what's in you. No one in this room was created empty or hollow. Everyone was created with a purpose and a plan and a divine assignment that you are to complete between your birth date and your death date. We serve a God who wants to awaken that thing in you that maybe you called it dead. And maybe when you tell other people, it's not dead, it's just asleep and it's coming back to life, it might even be laughable. But the revival 
is happening today. Number one, never again. Number two, never before. before. Number three, he wants you to know you're never alone. Matthew 28, 20. He says, I am with you even until the ends of the earth. So why do you need to know that you're never alone? Because when the miracle is getting closer and closer to your life, the crowd gets slimmer and slimmer in your life. Anybody been experiencing some shedding? Anybody been experiencing some, I don't know why that person is no longer in my life. It's unexplainable, but they're not in my life anymore. There are moments that God lessens the crowd when he's about to do a specific miracle. Look again at this passage. It says, they laughed at him when he said this child was just asleep. Now, when did the miracle take place? After he put them all out. Everyone who was doubting, everyone who was laughing, he put them out. Who was there? Those that were closest to him, Peter, James, John, and the girl's parents. For some miracles, there has to be a specific crowd of faith in your life who can believe with you that that thing that died within you is coming back to life. For certain miracles to take place, there is certain vocabulary that is not allowed in the room. The cynics in your life cannot have proximity to your ear when you are trying to believe God for a never before. Because our God gives us his word that says that faith comes by Hearing. And so what I hear becomes more important in times when I'm expecting a miracle. And if you are in a place in your life where you have an area in your life where you need a miracle, you're expecting God to do a never before so that you won't have to deal with this never again. If there is something in your life that you know it needs a nobody but God, a man can't fix it, a woman can't fix it, a doctor can't fix it, a degree can't fix it, a money amount can't fix it. It's a nobody but God situation. If you have a nobody but God situation, then who's in the room of your life? Who has a front row seat in your life is pivotal in this tender moment. Who are you listening to? What are you listening to? What are you laughing at? Because what God wants to do requires a specific language of faith to be the only thing you listen to right now. There's a work he wants to do and the work he wants to do requires his word. 
not wounded words, not wailing words. Don't cry about what God is about to shift because he's about to change and turn my mourning into dancing. Who in here needs a faith shift? Who in here needs to have a vocabulary test? I need to test the vocabulary of everyone around me because you are either echoing God's words for my life or you are amplifying the enemy's lies in my life. Vocabulary test. And this week, you are going to be more tuned in than ever because I told you this. And there are going to be some people in your life that failed the vocabulary test. You might have to change some numbers in your phone of how they're saved. You might have to put do not disturb on some numbers because for this season of your life, you're expecting some nobody but gods and there's a revival that's happening in some things in your life. And because of that, you want to expect God to show off in your life in such a way where there's some things you make it through that you're never again going to have to deal with those things. Some things you're expecting that are never before. Have you seen the way God's going to do this miracle in your life? And even when people are pulled away from you, he's reminding you that you're never alone. Never again, never before, never alone. I want you to help me. I want you in this section to say, never again. I want you in this section to say, never before. And I want you in this section to say, never alone. Our words in this room are going to shift what has been dead and call it back to life. What is he doing? What is he doing? What are you? What is he doing? What is he doing? And what are you? Say it louder. Let hell hear you. And what are we? Hallelujah. I want to speak right now to someone whose dreams have flatlined. Your prayer life has flatlined. Your hope for that specific situation has flatlined. Close your eyes and visualize that thing that you've lost hope in. That child 
that you've lost hope in coming back to the Lord. That family member that is hard to believe for. Now I want you to believe that Jesus has the power to bring the hope back to life. There she is. The little girl that dreams again. There she is. The little girl that hopes again. There she is. The childlike faith. There it is. The woman who believes that God's word is still true when life does not look how you wanted it to look. Now unto him who's able to bring us back to life. To the God who is the one who raises us from the dead. To Jesus, our redeemer, our rescuer, our resuscitator. Thank you for life that's entering the room right now. Those dead places will not ever be dead again. We are being brought back to life to speak life into dead situations, to live a life that doesn't just look at other people's life, look at other people's lives, but we live the life that was ordained for us to live. A life of hope, a life of joy, a life of love, a life of doing what we're called and commissioned and created to do, a life knowing that we're enough to say yes to our Savior, a life full of life. Now unto him who's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we can ask, think, or even imagine. We thank you, O oh God, for the life in this room. We thank you for the resurrections in this room. We thank you for the resuscitations in this room. We thank you for the revival in this room. We thank you for being a same day God. Yes, there are some prayers that you answer in process, but there are some miracles that you do immediately. There are some miracles that you do in the same hour. There are some miracles that you do on the same day. We thank you for the little girl in us that needs to be healed. And we thank you for the woman who's been bleeding out life and joy that's been in that state for years and depleted. We thank you that you're giving life to both. The girl in us and the woman in us. We speak life to each other in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.